1: You will learn that name, you will remember it.
0: And now, the stud is here. Hey everybody, welcome in once again, it's David Summers. It's another stud cast with the Tennessee stud, Ron Fuller. It's the story of wrestling in America as told by the stud, whose family started the profession 100 years ago. Let's step back into the ring, back into time, back into the great smoky mountains where there ain't no hoss like the Tennessee stud, Ron Fuller. What's going on, my friend, Ron?
1: Oh, man, it's great. Uh, Beautiful day here. Nothing but blue sky. Uh, Leaves are all fantastic at this point. Man, it's just, uh, wow. It's been a great experience. Uh, First time I've ever uh, had the experience of uh, fall in full bloom, so to speak. And uh, that's what's out there right now. And I guess hopefully it's going to stay this way for maybe another 10 days or so. And uh, But it's uh, really beautiful up here in this part of the country.
0: Well, it's amazing to imagine something like that and the beautiful colors that you're enjoying. Here in southeast Alabama, the leaves are still green except the ones on the ground, and they're a beautiful shade of brown, Ron. Yeah. <laughs> so that's it. That's it. We, we, it's,
1: it's cool, man. Yeah. Uh, we, get, we get all the colors <laughs> up here, man. Bright reds and yellows. And, yeah. Oh, wow. It's, uh, it's yeah. pretty amazing. It's uh, really been beautiful and really been enjoying this fall.
0: Yeah. Our leaves are brown. Did I mention that? Yeah, I think I did.
1: Okay. Yeah, I think so. Yeah. <laughs> <All> <laughs> right. I wish I could help you out there, man. Yeah. Uh, I could sack up some of these colored ones, man, and maybe yeah. send it to
0: you. Yeah let's, yeah. let's start doing art projects. Okay. All right. <laughs> All right. So today's stud, Ron, is going to be really, really interesting. One of the most important main events in the history of Southeastern is the subject of this one today. You are facing off against the Mongolian Stomper. Gorgeous George Jr. is barred from the Coliseum. The Stomper risk his Southeastern belt. You risk your TV trophy, which is as tall as you are. The winner gets both. Then, beyond all that, the loser of the match is leaving Southeastern for a year is there something you want to tell us ron well well you know um uh, <laughs> it's a
1: you know it, it's a pretty strong main event that's for sure you know got a lot a lot of uh, stipulations in it and uh and that bottom line there man about the the loser having to leave southeastern for a year uh, mm-hmm. pretty much says it all but you know on this card that we're going to be talking about in this studcast today uh, there's a there's a, another main event on it that uh, has a heck of a lot at stake as well. And that's the Southeastern Tag Championship match. Uh, the championship is on the line. And uh, Roy Lee Welch is, gets totally surprised on the TV and today with the fact that uh, he's, he has to basically put his hair up. And not just uh, if he loses that they're going to cut his hair short, but uh, they're going to shave his head. <laughs> and, uh, you know, if he and Joe lose that match, uh, he's going to come out of there as bald-headed as Joe.
0: Looking like you know?
1: Joe. <laughs> yeah. So they're going to really look look uh, really something different. Yeah. So, you know, the champions, Mr. Knoxville and Bob Orton Jr., all they're having to rest is their belts. So it, it's a hair versus belts match and a Southeastern title and TV trophy on the line, all of the trophies on the line. In the last main event, then the loser is going to be leaving Southeastern. And all this is going to take place on the last Friday in October of 1977.
0: Wow. Okay, so that's a pretty great card. So we have not even heard who else is on it other than the, the two main events that you mentioned. Before we head in that direction, I have a few things that have gotten my attention on Southeastern Rewind that I have to ask about. I grew up watching Gulf Coast wrestling in the 60s. Southeastern wrestling in the 70s, and then Continental Championship wrestling in the 80s. I had forgotten what a fantastic TV show Continental Wrestling was until you brought it back 36 years later on your Southeastern Rewind YouTube channel. Now, listen, I know you've only shown two episodes so far, but they're both really great. And I think they're kind of what it's all about. It, it re- really has to make you proud to be able to get these things out there again after all these years.
1: Oh, yeah. Well, it, it certainly does, Dave. I mean, uh, and like I said, it's been 36 years uh, since these were done and uh, since I'd seen uh, any of them. Uh, gosh, I'd, I'd forgotten how impressive it was to see and hear thousands of fans on a regular TV show. Uh, <laughs> everybody else in the sport back in those days was still in the studio. And uh, we were the first in wrestling. This was 1985 when this continental shows were produced started being produced we were the first in wrestling to leave the studio with traditionally about 200 fans and start recording in the same arena with thousands of it in attendance so on a weekly basis same building every week so uh, this tv show also had one of the most admired and professional commentators in all of wrestling at that time for sure and and for all time in my in my in my opinion, uh, and that would be uh, my good friend Gordon Soley.
0: Yeah,
1: yeah. So, you know, I, and I'm really pleased, man, that the, with the quality of these shows. Uh, oddly enough, uh, they come from at least all uh, these, as we're going to be showing, there's going to be a considerable number of these continental shows in the order they were produced. And uh, they're going to come from at least six different TV stations in three different states and the quality of uh, almost all of them is very good. But uh, it, it's gonna get even better after the first six or eight of these shows uh, because they come from a station that uh, doesn't have as good a signal as the others that we're gonna be using later on. So just like the USA TV shows that are already on the channel, these new continental shows are gonna be in the exact order they were produced. And, uh, and by watching them in that order, obviously fans can follow That extremely important storyline, man, Mm
0: -hmm. that was in
1: every wrestling show just about around the country. And it was kind of what made old school wrestling so great. Yeah,
0: Yeah. (laughs) no doubt. Listen, there's already so much stuff on the Southeastern Rewind channel. Now I'm kind of like a kid in a candy store. I can't stand it at all. And you keep adding great stuff like the first stud story that you just got up there. Like last Saturday, I think it was in these stud stories which are going to be released every week, you're going to be talking about all types of subjects. The first series, series is all about your actual matches, some for the title, some not necessarily, but with 11 NWA world champions, ranging from 1970 all the way up to 1988. The first one, the legendary Lou Thez, absolutely blew me away as we recorded it and talked about it. So much wrestling history wrapped up in that one. Every fan of every age should really hear that, Ron. It's really good stuff.
1: Well, thanks. I appreciate it, Dave. Uh, you know, uh, uh, and I really enjoy doing these things. You know, I, I was I, I was blessed, man, uh, as a wrestler to be born and in, uh, in, uh and to be able to wrestle in that golden age of the sport, which I really believe the '60s, '70s, and '80s was really the golden age of wrestling. And uh, there were so many great NWA champions still active during that time frame. I was extremely lucky to have the opportunity to get in the squared circle with so many of these guys. And uh, I'm going to tell their stories, uh, their history as champs, uh, my experiences I've had with these guys, not only in the ring but outside the ring for a lot of them. And I'm going to take all 11 of them, one at a time, in the order in which they won the belt. So basically, uh, my next stud story uh, is going to cover the man that beat Luthez because the first one was about Lou, and that man was from New Zealand. Mm -hmm. Uh, His name was Pat O'Connor, and uh, Pat and I, oddly enough, man, were close friends, even though he was probably twice my age, and I was lucky enough to wrestle him in my own territory in 1975. So stud story number two is going to be up next Saturday, and I'll be adding a new one every Saturday. I'm going to go through all these 11, and I'm going to throw in some different stud stories and different subjects as we go along here.
0: That's cool. And see, I knew this, this whole Southeastern Rewind YouTube channel was going to be great, but as it grows, you're branching out in other directions, and I think that is what's going to make it successful. Live studcast, live question and answer shows, USA TV shows, Continental wrestling TV shows, new just released stud cast available on the same day as they're released worldwide. Stud stories, southeastern sweet spots, and on and on and on. Don't miss all of this, fans. You got to check it out. Subscribe now on YouTube at Southeastern Rewind. Ring the bell, and we'll ring your your bell every time something new is added. And it's not like you don't have enough going on, Ron. Your next. Dinner with the stud is only two weeks away, Wednesday, November 24th, the night before Thanksgiving. I can't believe we're getting so close. We're going to be talking about that later in the stud cast. Being busy is not something new for you. And speaking of something new stud, where are we riding today?
1: Well, you know, last week on our today's training, we talked about how territories move talent around in and out and why, uh, and this week, uh, last week, we kind of used the Florida Territory and the Southeastern Territory as a, as an example. But this week, let's take a look at talent again. But this time, I want to do it from a totally different angle. Uh, how do you improve business by, by not moving talent, but by creating new storylines using the talent that you already have? That's what great bookers were able to do and by, uh, you know, they would do something that shocked everybody, that just lit up business. So, uh, in this uh, today's training, we're gonna do something a little different, Dave. We're gonna go interactive with the fans on this one. We're gonna play a little game with hmm. this today's training, and uh, we're gonna find out uh, out there uh, who who's got booking skills, man. I, want, I, got, I got a lot of people that connect with me all the time. They ask these booking questions, and uh, I'm going to give everybody an opportunity to get involved with us today. All right. So, so then we're going to discuss uh, the card of October the 28th, 1977, back in the Coliseum again. And, uh, and it has that great double main event we just talked about, opened up today's studcast with. And then we're going to cover the rest of the cart. The TV of October 22nd, six days before that event, and the results of the event and the attendance. And we got a great learning tree question about where did Bob Armstrong go when he lost the loser leave Southeastern match on the big double world title card? Hmm. Uh, and a lot of people probably are curious about something like that. Where do you go when you leave a territory?
0: I bet he doesn't just go home and sit there.
1: Well, I don't think he probably
0: did. <laughs> probably not. You know, he wasn't that tight. Yeah, you know? he was. Yeah, he was a mover. All right, so I can already tell this is going to be another great one, Stud. I assume we are galloping into today's training.
1: That's that's surely where we're headed, my man. All right, uh, you know. And last week, you know, we kind of compared the southeastern territory, as I mentioned a minute ago, to the Florida territory, especially in how and why they move talent. Uh, this time, let's go to class for some. Different type of training today. The subject of this one will be improving business by creating an angle that utilizes your existing talent rather than moving someone and adding someone new. So this angle that was created in this time frame is going to be the question for those that want to play a little booking game with me, man. Uh, We're going to get back to this in just a moment and I'll explain what I'm talking about. But the obvious reason for switching old and established talent in a shocking way, you know, uh, rather than bringing in someone that's totally new is that new talent takes a long time to get them over. And, mm. uh, you know, and uh, to the point to where they becoming stars in your, in your territory, that takes a while to get there and uh, where they start to draw your money. It takes a little while to do that. Mm. So, you know, most regular stud cast fans are now familiar with the wrestlers on every card for Southeastern in the fall of 1977. If you're listening regularly, you know that a lot of the same guys are still here. So when we get to announcing the entire card for October 28, 1977, which is going to be the one we're talking about today and focusing on in a few minutes, uh, then you can make a note. If you're out there listening and you want to play this game with me and you want to get interactive here, uh, make a little note of who's on these cards and add them, you know, uh, other territories, uh, you know, and if you've somebody that you can think of that's in Southeastern that's not on TV, that's not on some of these cards, but uh, you put their name in the hat too. And, uh, and I'm going to add a few more recent newcomers uh, for you just, uh, just uh, after we get to the card. So I'm not going to tell fans today uh, who I was soon about to use in this way. Uh, you know, I'm purposely going to be vague about it. I just want to play this little game. I want to see how many fans out here can figure out what's going to happen soon in Southeastern Wrestling that's going to change things dramatically for Southeastern. So obviously something is going to happen. There's going to be a switch of somebody from baby face to heel or vice versa. It's going to involve other people, and it's going to create an entirely new direction for the company. So, so everybody out there listening, if you want to play along, I'm going to post a question about this on my social media sites after this studcast is released hmm. on all three of my Facebook sites on my Ron Fuller Welch page, my Ron Fuller, the Tennessee Stud page, and my author Ron Fuller Page. And I'm going to post something on Twitter too. And at the end of this studcast today, Dave, uh, uh, hopefully uh, you'll be able to have time to give everybody these locations again. And how to become friends on these sites if you aren't already friends with me, and uh, on these sites you're going to find my question post, and uh, are you and welcome to answer the question about who and what is going to happen soon that's going to change things in Southeastern.
0: You you evidently must be feeling a little funky today, Ron. I don't, I don't know what's happening here. You you are you looking for a new Booker? Because I, I kind of <laughs> like the idea of that. I, I I think I'm going to take a shot at it. So when is this angle going to happen? All and all, it seems like all I've got to do is pick who is switching over and who it involves. So it's going to yep.
1: happen. Yeah. It's going to happen within the next three
0: casts. Ah, okay.
1: okay. All right. So it could happen on this one or it could, it could happen next week or the, by definitely by the third stud cast. And, uh, all you have to do out there is just tell me who you think is going to be switching. And, uh, Hmm. are they going to switch from baby face to heel or heel to baby face and who you think is going to also be involved when they make this move?
0: Hmm. Right, so I don't think we've ever had an interactive stud cast like this one, Ron. This should be a lot of fun. So what is the entire card, October 28th, 1977? Okay, on this one, you've got this so newcomer.
1: It's, it's second match, Southeastern, on a, in Knoxville at least, and he's against Don Wright. Uh, you have a no-time limit with Tony Charles versus the pro, Doug Gilbert. Ricky Gibson against the Assassin. My brother Rob uh, takes on Don Carson. There's that Southeastern Tag Championship hair versus belt match. Joe Duke with partner Roy Lee Welch uh, who's got to put up his locks against the champions, Mr. Knoxville, Ronnie Garvin, of course, and Bob Wharton Jr., managed by Al Costello. Then the Southeastern belt and the TV trophy at stake. Whoever wins this big match is going to uh, get both those. Uh, gorgeous George Jr. is barred from the Coliseum. He will not be able to come to the building at all. And the loser of this match between the Stomper and I are going to uh, have to leave Southeastern for a year. Southeastern champion Mongolian Stomper, with no manage, no manager on his hmm. on, in his corner, uh, is going to be facing the TV champion myself.
0: You, Ron Fuller. All right, uh, so if you think you're up for it, uh, listen, it's a great card. Absolutely. You said you were going to add a few others in the territory to the list on this card for those fans that want to participate in your, in your, I'll call it, booking contest. What's up with that?
1: Okay, well, I've got two other guys that uh, have made appearances here in a couple of weeks, the last couple of shows, uh-huh. and uh, they're not on all of them, but they're going to be. And uh, one of them is named Thunderbolt Patterson.
0: Yeah, I knew that. and
1: the other, and the other one is Irish Pat Barrett. Hmm. Uh, and then you know there are some other wrestlers uh, that might be key to this that haven't wrestled on TV, haven't been involved in a while, that uh, could could rare to could rare their ugly heads <laughs> again. <laughs> So, uh, you know, uh, I think it's going to be fun for fans. So I hope they're going to get and in- enjoy it. Uh, we're going to be playing with it for the next couple of weeks and we're going to see, uh, we're going to see who's maybe the next great booker out there.
0: Okay. It's me. It's me. No- nobody even worry about competing in this. All right. So I think we're ready for that TV Saturday, October 22nd, 1977, six days before this huge card in the Coliseum. So how did the TV show open?
1: Well, obviously, it opened with Les, as usual, in a close-up, and he ran down the TV card. And this card's a pretty good card, so you know. normally I don't say what it is, but uh, uh, this card, uh, in the first match on the card, is going to be the Southeastern Tag Champions, Mr. Knoxville, Bob Orton Jr., managed by Al Costello. Don Carson is going to be on the second match of the program. Uh, Stomper and Gigi, gorgeous George Jr., his manager, are going to be on the profile. Tony Charles is on this program and I'm going to be defending the TV trophy on the end of the show against not just a, uh, a job guy and enhancement talent but against the the pro the guy that's used to uh, f- f- flopping people around and uh, you know ragdolling people <laughs> uh, he's going to have his opportunity to become so- uh, southeastern television champion right? So, you know, when the camera's backed away, man, there's this giant still shot on the set behind Les. Uh, what we do with just about every one of these openings, and it was Roy Lee Welch. Uh, he had his hand in the air because Big Joel Duke had a hold of his arm and was putting it there. And down at the bottom of their feet was Bob Orton Jr. just laying there. So kind of an odd shot, but... Uh, not for the fans. They loved it. The studio pop, man. The cameras backed away, and they picked up the fact that Joe and Roy Lee was sitting at the desk with Les. And uh those two guys were great friends, Joe LeDuc and Roy Lee Welch, and uh unbelievable combination. Uh, but uh, you know, they got a big fake <laughs> grins on their faces because the night before they won both their single matches against the tag champions, mm-hmm. Mr. Knoxville and Bob Orton Jr. Yeah, and uh less reminded them of the deal they made last week that uh, and that southeastern had made with them that if they both won single matches they were going to get another shot at the belts the following Friday night so that meant that uh, they're looking toward another shot the Friday night upcoming with the new champions, with the old champions that's been champions for a long time. Almost unbeatable at this point, Mr. Knoxville and Bob Orton Jr. Obviously, the fans responded with cheers. Uh, they loved this team, man. I, I, it was just amazing how the fans got into these two guys. So, uh, let's call for, for the video still shot to be backed up. And uh, when it was, it showed Roy, he had his abdominal stretch on Bob Orton Jr., And uh, Orton reached out in the video, grabbed the referee by his shirt and jerked him into Roy. They collided head first, Roy and the referee. Uh, Costello uh, had his opportunity, man. And when he got it, he always uh, took it. And uh, with the referee down, uh, he jumped into the ring and he grabbed something out of his pocket. And Orton uh, grabbed up Roy Lee and a full Nelson, man. And uh, so... uh, Oh, Costello, Big Al, uh, he's going to hes gonna take his best shot. Uh, and when he did, Roy ducked the punch, and Orton, man, took the third shot in three weeks from Costello. Whoa. <laughs> and, and, and then when Orton went down, uh, the ref uh, was trying to get to his feet. All he did was crawled over there. Roy went on top of him, and uh, he counted Orton out. And uh, <laughs> so... They had one win down and one to go, man, to get that <laughs> championship match. <that's> <laughs> yeah. Uh, pretty easy victory, man. And and and, uh, and they, they didn't show, but Orton and uh, Costello had another problem again. <laughs> and uh, and, that, and as usual, Mr. Knoxville, Ronnie Garvin had to come down and kind of kind of settle it down again. Well, obviously the studio popped when they saw the end of it. And uh you know, and they were about uh, they were they were a pretty loud studio group that day. And, uh, you know, that building in Chile Park, guess where this one was? It mm-hmm. it sounded loud in there as well. And then uh, Joe's video ran next. Joe's sitting there. You know, uh, we've watched uh, Roy's victory and it showed that uh, Joe ended up with a bear hug on Mr. Knoxville and uh, Costello, not thinking about uh, what it was going to happen here, uh, he just wanted to keep his man from getting beat right in the middle of the ring. He jumped into the ring and got disqualified, and what happened? Joe Leduc got his hand raised in victory. So there was another pop from the crowd in the studio, just like it was in the arena. So Leduc and Roy had earned that big title shot, but there was one stipulation to the match that neither one of them were aware of at this point. So Joe and uh, Roy, uh, they'd seen their matches. Uh, They got up. They were ready to leave the set. And uh, Al Costello comes out to the set. And actually, there was only one way to leave the set uh, and go back to the dressing room. And he came that direction and just kind of blocked them in there. And uh, and he asked Les, obviously, to hand him a microphone because he had something to say. But then he kind of backed off from the two guys that he was facing because uh, Costello was no match for Joe Duke Roy at this point. He's got a little age on him. And he reminded when he got the microphone, he started talking directly to them. And he reminded both of them of what he had said the Saturday before. Uh, and he did say the Saturday before that if they won their singles match, his champions would gladly give them a tag championship match, but there might be a little surprise in store for them. Hmm. So uh, you know, Joe, Joe, and Roy at this point uh, they got they got out of their seats and you know and they're, they're, they 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 back to. Costello backed a little further away when he did, and he kind of screamed out nervously, man. He, he, was, he was ready to run, basically. <laughs> 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 he, right. he was just hoping to get this out before they did something to him. And uh, and he kind of uh, screamed uh, to the list, you know, and then the people in the studio, everybody at home could hear it. He's got a microphone in his hand. He screamed that the Southeastern officials had agreed to his request for a special stipulation and that the title shot would be given only if Roy Lee Welch would agree to put up his hair. Hmm. And then he threw the microphone on the desk and he ran. <laughs> so, Joe LaDuke, uh, gosh, uh, you know, it's funny the difference in these two guys, <laughs> and, uh, Joe Duke's demeanor and Roy Lee's. And uh, Joe went absolutely nuts. <laughs> he charged that away from the set, and he went around the corner trying to catch Costello. I think, <laughs> and uh, and Roy Lee just standing there, he's got this shocked look on his face. He's, he he doesn't know what to say. You know, <laughs> it's it's like, did he just say that I'm putting up my hair? You know, right. <laughs> it's like, it was all kind of registering to him. You know, they've been happy. They're going to get this championship match, but. You know, they neither one knew this was the deal. So, LeDuc, man, he charged back into the set. I guess he couldn't catch, <laughs> he couldn't catch uh, Al. Yeah. And he and he started screaming at Les, you know. And uh, and Roy just walked past him, went right to the dressing room. He didn't say a word to even Joe. You know, I, he was out of it, you know. And, and Joe was sh- shouted at Les, you know, well, who, who did this? Who's responsible for this? <laughs> so, you know. This, this, uh, you said. Hey, I, I didn't know anything about it. It's first I've heard of it. So, uh, about that same time, the southeastern champions entered the studio and they went to the ring. And that obviously was Mister Knoxville and Bob Warden Jr. And uh, they were in the first match on the TV show. And uh, pretty quick, the match was in progress. But Joe Leduc, he didn't leave the set. He wouldn't leave. <laughs> you know, and he was he was ranting and raving like a madman. <laughs> You know, and they're still screaming at Les, you know. Uh, and uh, meanwhile, they put in the ring, Knoxville and um, Bob Warden Jr. are They're just destroying their guys. And uh, they all had, you know, uh, they, they, they had just about won the match when Joe can't take it anymore. He sees what's going on. He, he, you know, Roy's disappeared, and he, he, can't, he can't stand it. So he just charges the ring, <laughs> and there's three of them there. You know, there's two wrestlers and Costello, were, uh-huh. all three of them. They just met him, man. He got to the apron of the ring and they were all there. Come on in. And, uh, boy, knowing big Joe, he went right on in too. And, and he looked pretty good for a short period of time. And, uh, then, you know, they, they started to get him and Roy came running. he, he realized that, you know, the uh, worst, Joe, something's going on and, uh, Boy, it was like pandemonium in the studio, man. Bodies were just flying around everywhere. And pretty quick then, the champions and their manager never got a chance to get the victory. But they they got out of the ring and they left. And uh, Joe and Roy went back to the set. They had the first interview. And uh, Roy was really trying to calm Joe down, which... Pretty hard to calm Joe LeDuc down sometimes. He he was a pretty volatile dude. <laughs> yeah. So, you know, he, he was he was right on the edge like a volcano all the time about erupting. <laughs> so about that same time, the other three guys they showed up over there in Studio B. So the champion started off in Studio B, and they got right away into the fact that the hair was part of this match. And if uh, Leduc and Roy lost, Roy's hair. Was just the beginning. They said, uh, you know, they're not just going to cut your hair, Roy Lee, but then they're going to bring in the razor and they're going to shave your head. <laughs> you, you know, and y'all going to both look just like, uh, uh, but Daddy and son or whatever, you know. So, you know, and then, then they just started laughing and they couldn't go any further. I guess they the picture was <laughs> the picture of that was just making them uh pretty giddy and, and so. But not Joe. Joe went absolutely crazy again. He can't get the studio B, but he's standing there and Les. He's driving Les crazy, and he told Les, you know, there's absolutely no way he's going to allow Roy to put up his hair. He says, <laughs> you know, and you know, and then he says, if this guy's the whole deal is that they just they that they want to do something, uh, you know, that if he lost. Uh, and, and he and Roy couldn't beat him, he says, uh, and those idiots just want somebody to get hurt in some way by it. He said, I want to be the one that they hurt, by golly. And he goes, uh, t- he says, if we lose, he says, I'll do anything. He said, he come up with, uh, he says, I'll let Bob Orton Jr. put me in his backbreaker and drop me on my head. And then I'll let Mr. Knoxville jump off the top rope of my throat. <laughs> He <laughs> goes, but I'm not letting Roy risk a single hair a hair on his head. <laughs> One single hair, you know. So it was pretty obvious to fans, which they already knew, mm-hmm. that uh, these two guys had deep feeling between the two of them and that they were very different people, very different men. So Roy finally got a chance to speak after walking off and everything. And that Joe's, Joe's still wild and furious, but... But he kind of gets a hold of Joe and he turned him around and he he hugged his neck. And, and you could hear him say on the microphone, I love you, Joe. I love you, Joe. <laughs> you know. <laughs> but then he asked uh-huh. Joe is to calm down. He said, But calm down, calm down a minute, calm down a minute. You know, he says, well, I, I want to say something. So he kind of got Joe kind of quiet and, they, and people in the audience got a little bit quiet and uh, you know, and uh so then he asked Joe. <laughs> Roy asked Joe. He says, uh, uh, "Do you think we can beat these guys?" And Joe said, "Yeah, of course we can." <laughs> you know, I'm gonna he just started raging, and he said, "Wait a minute, wait a minute." And then he asked him another question. He says, uh, "Joe," he said, "Do you think uh, they're ever going to give us another title match again if if uh, if we don't do this one, if we don't take this shot?" And uh, Joe <laughs> shook his head like. No, probably not. Well, I got time to think of it. So Roy's really making some sense to him. He's getting him to calm a little bit. Mm-hmm. And then he had him calm down some. And the, and the crowd started really listening intently to this conversation. It was a pretty good conversation. So Roy asked uh, Joe again, he says, uh, do you want to be Southeastern tag champion? And Joe shook his head. Yes. And mm-hmm. so Roy asked him, he says, uh, uh, And if we lose, Joe, and he says, uh, and they cut my hair, he says, will my hair grow back? (laughs) 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 All right. Yeah, and then Joe almost broke into a smile. (laughs) He almost, he kind of almost laughed in a way, and he said, uh, well, yeah, of course it will, Roy. And he goes, then what the hell is this all about, Joe? He says, uh, okay. you know, he says, he says, what are, what are we, what are we talking about here? Why are you going nuts? He goes, uh, let's do this. He says, let's hurt them in the best way we can. Let's take their belts away, man. He says, let's be the next southeastern champion. And boy, the studio <laughs> exploded, man. Uh, you know, and Joe grabbed him and hugged him, man. And, you know, <laughs> and uh, they left the set, man, in a roar of applause.
0: That's funny. I mean, cause Joe LaDuke is the big time superstar between these two, but here's Roy Lee getting the pop from the crowd and kind of leading the way on the promo and calming the big Joe LaDuke down. And I don't know how, how long these two had known each other, but it, they were, they were almost like a father and son team at, during this point.
1: Yeah. Uh, that's a good, that's a good, a good assessment of it, man. And you know, that there was a lot of difference in their age for sure. And, uh, and I could never explain the popularity of this team, but it was one of those combinations that just worked, man. For whatever reason, fans loved them, and uh, this just made a better team. Uh, it got fans in the heart. It, it reached people in a place what's hard to reach in wrestling. You know, you yeah. people really, really got touched by this, the friendship, and what was happening between those two guys.
0: Yeah, that's cool and that's evident too. So all right, so what about the second segment of the show? What what happens there?
1: Well, uh <laughs> none other than another fan favorite Don Carson man came out. <laughs> so you can imagine what kind of uh, what kind of uh, <laughs> welcome he got from the crowd and he was met obviously with anything but respect. <laughs> and, uh, and and then he was in his just his fifth week back in Southeastern And he had as much heat as anybody in the heel crew. And he was escorted to the ring by his now bosom buddy, the assassin. I mean, these two guys had become inseparable. And, uh, you know, they kind of used each other to build their heat off of, man. So in Carson's match, he got his opponent finished, basically. He had to pull him up off the mat keep the referee from counting the three count. And when he pulled him up, he threw him out on the concrete and uh and then he drew the referee's attention and the assassin, um, you know, uh gave the kid a headbutt like he needed another headbutt. And then he had to pick his body up because he was about <laughs> unconscious and just kind of <laughs> rolled him into the ring so that so that Carson could go over and cover him, man, and finally end it. You know, and uh this pair, man, uh, they kind of left every opponent they were wrestling with uh, in this same state, and many of them had to be left and helped from the ring. Uh, it wasn't uncommon for guys to get hurt by these two. So they went to set after the victory, and the following, the following Friday, Carson was wrestling against my brother, Rob, and the assassin was against Ricky Gibson, and uh, Robert and Ricky were in Studio B. So they opened the interview. Robert and uh, Carson weren't strangers in the ring, man. In fact, they had wrestled each other just two weeks prior to this particular match's upcoming. And uh, Ricky, in my opinion, had one of the more dangerous of the two, uh, the Assassin. Uh, both babyfaces uh, got the studio highly involved in the interview uh, because they were, they were really over as babyfaces. Carson and the Assassin, they kind of ignored the comments that Rob and Ricky made and instead they went back to the subject of the match that had set them on fire a month earlier and that was that second lights out match on the big championship night the one that took both of them together to beat and send a, one of southeastern's most popular wrestlers bob armstrong out of the territory and they reminded fans and less of that match and they again brought up their future plans that they had mentioned a couple times before lately their plans to take over southeastern and uh and they were going to do it by sending other fan favorites out of that part of the country and uh, then again they ended the interview with that same little mysterious threat uh, having already made a deal with the devil man and uh they knew they were going to be able to get it done
0: well it seems like i mean they're a pretty scary pair ron especially the assassin. This constant deal with the devil threat that they do, it kind of fits them pretty well. I think it's, we're getting close to a break. I'll tell you what, when we return, the Mongolian Stomper and gorgeous George on the personality profile. That's coming up, but a quick reminder to find Southeastern Rewind on YouTube. Subscribe, ring the bell to get reminders on when the greatest stories in wrestling will be dropped on YouTube. And be sure to tell your friends about Southeastern Rewind rewind we'll be back the personality profile is on this stud cast in only moments okay we're inside the break on another stud cast another awesome stud cast and hey stud i've still got you on the line so i'm gonna let you help me with our commercial in the middle right here because it's about dinner with a stud november 24th that's a wednesday it's the night before thanksgiving seven to nine this is going to be a big time for all stud cast fans
1: yeah and uh you know i don't think i've ever done one of these dave and been on here during the break uh, but uh you know i just wanted to say something personally to people out there uh, those that came for this first one uh, and we had a uh, more than 70 people for the first one uh, almost filled up the top floor of that restaurant and I, gosh, it was, it was such a great evening for me. And, uh, and for all those fans too, I was really, really, the food was fantastic. Uh, the, uh, everybody loved the stud cast. Uh, they liked the question and answers. The door prizes were absolutely phenomenal. Just some stuff that, uh, that would cost hundreds of dollars. I was amazed. And, uh, we got uh, Cherokee distributing, uh, That's us, the Miller Beer people in the Knoxville area. Uh, They brought down some fantastic stuff. Uh, Les gave away some great uh, memorabilia. Uh, It was just a really, really fun evening. We spent a lot of time with everybody that came through the door, Uh, not just saying hello to them, but uh, getting the names and and talking to them. Uh, And then once the show was over, uh i did not uh, think about this being the case but so many probably as many as 50 people stayed after it was over uh we got an opportunity me less and then this time it's going to be jimmy Golan. are going to have the opportunity to to not only autograph things for fans uh, sell sell them uh, they have souvenirs there uh, so that they can buy t-shirts or or uh, photographs uh, whatever it may be, we'll autograph those things for them. It just turned out to be, to me, one of the most remarkable evenings that I ever had in all of my, uh, times in sports, hockey or wrestling. Uh, <laughs> it was really, really fun. I think fans really, really enjoyed it. And I just, uh, if you're in the Knoxville area, it's a beautiful time to come, uh, <laughs> It's uh, the night before Thanksgiving, and uh, it's a great time to celebrate uh, everything. and uh, And the fact that we can all go out, Dave. To be honest with you, because of COVID and things, uh, yeah, yeah. That, uh, that that situation is all behind us. And uh, and I just uh, I want to welcome everybody that uh, in the Knoxville area to come on down, have a great evening with me, with Les Thatcher, and with Jimmy Golden, and uh, and it's just a, uh, it's it's a great experience for me. Everybody else, and uh, and uh, it's only thirty dollars. Pretty remarkable value. Yeah. You can yeah. get that at tnstud.com. Go to the stud store. Uh, just look for dinner with the stud and reserve now because uh, tickets uh, tickets were, are going to probably uh, be gone for this one uh, if you if you hesitate for too long. And uh, thank everybody for your support and especially those that came last time. And I look forward to meeting a lot of new fans this one.
0: Hey, absolutely. Listen, if you thought Dr. Tom Pritchard was a lot of fun and was a great storyteller, wait till you see Bunkhouse Buck, Jimmy Golden. This is going to be a big time. And let me mention once again, reservations, only $30 at tnstud.com. Click the Stud store, look for Dinner with the Stud, and the photos alone that you're going to get are a $30 value. Don't miss it, and listen for more information on these studcasts. Once again, the date is Wednesday, November 24th, 7 to 9 p.m., the night before Thanksgiving, dinner with the stud. Hey, everybody, welcome back. David Summers and the Tennessee Stud segment two on another incredible studcast. Okay, stud, my guess is with that upcoming Loser Leaves Southeastern match, gorgeous George Jr., We'll have a lot to say in this upcoming personality profile. Well, he was never at a
1: loss for words anyway. You know, so, uh, you know, and he's always had plenty to say when he's on the show. And, uh, and this time he was all totally focused on me. Uh, and when this uh, personality profile opens up, uh, his stomper, uh, is behind him, uh, Standing behind Gorgeous George, uh, because Les and Gorgeous George were seated, and uh, Stomper looked wow more impressive than usual. I thought being in the studio up top uh, in the, in the uh, control room, and well, uh, he was cranking away, man, on that steel truck shock, and uh, and he was sweating like he'd been cranking that thing for hours. He was just, and he didn't wasn't wrestling. He had just he was just uh, doing what he did. He was in phenomenal shape. So, Gorgeous George and Aless, they watched the video of the match from the night before where Ricky Gibson got his chance at the Stomper Southeastern title. And I would watched the match from the balcony in the old uh, Jacobs building in Chihauley Park. It was upstairs. We're uh, looking down on the ring. And, uh, and I watched because Ricky had helped save me from injury the week before. I felt like I owed it to him to just uh, make sure that he didn't get a raw deal here. And as usual, uh, Gigi got involved at the end of the match, and both he and the stomper were taking advantage of Ricky. Uh, they were beating the heck out of Ricky, to be honest with you. Referee was down, and uh, and I ran down from the upstairs down to the ring, and I reached out and grabbed the pants leg of Gigi. He wore these flowery outfits all the time, and uh, yeah. <laughs> what? And then, yeah, you know, and why? He, why were then? He had a little, he little hat that matched his flowery outfit. I never knew why he dressed like that, but I reached and I was able to get his pants leg, and I and I started dragging him out of the ring. And he uh-huh. first he fought it, but then his pants were coming off. Oh my <laughs> He had God. to quit fighting it, so uh, I drug him out. And, yeah. Um, And as Gigi described this, now he's watching and he's describing the action about, you know, Ron Fuller's got no business being there anyway. (laughs) And then he's saying, you know, and look at me, you know, he goes, I'm being manhandled by a brutal beast. He called me, you know. Yeah. And then, so and he was was riding away because I did smack him around a little bit. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) You know, and I was dragging him through the, park the building, through the building, and gosh, the building was packed. I mean, there was no room to hardly stand in there, and uh, I was dragging him. I was going to take him, and I did take him all the way upstairs to where the, the dressing room, the stomper in his dressing room was. Mm-hmm. And then uh, the video showed between me and what was happening with George. They were going back to the ring, and they showed the stomper finally beat Ricky Gibson, and then they took the last shot, was of me. I got up to the dressing room door, and I didn't uh, take the time to open it. I just threw Gigi through the dressing room door. <laughs> and I, it was, maybe I was a little bit of a beast, you know. So, mm. and uh, so you know, and and uh, Gigi's watching it, boy. And at that point, when he saw that, he really <laughs> went off, you know. And he told Les that, that I hurt his shoulder really bad throwing him to the dressing room door like Aww. that and, uh, and that he had had enough of Ron Fuller. I'm finished with Ron Fuller. And he said, uh, and in fact, he said immediately after this happened, he said, I demanded that the Southeastern officials come to the dressing room. And I told him I wanted to sign a historic match in Southeastern wrestling. You know, he said, uh, I want to put my Stomper's beloved belt up, and uh, and I want that Ron Fuller to put up his TV trophy, and uh, the winner is going to get both of the titles, and uh, and the loser of a match uh, is going to be gone from Southeastern Wrestling, and um, and he said, you know, he told us, you know. He said, "I'm absolutely sure I'm never going to have my hands ha- have Ron Fuller's hands put on me again." I mean, can you a know?
0: man can a man be left alone who looks like a shower curtain? I mean, uh, <laughs> what, what is the problem, <laughs> Ron? That may,
1: that's that hey, really kind of <laughs> describes his outfit. Yeah, it yeah, sh- did sh- look like he was wearing a shower curtain. Yeah, a
0: shower curtain in a beach house. Yeah. Yes. Yeah, okay. So it,
1: yeah. You know. Anyway, he was. Oh, he was upset. He was really mad. He was cranked. He did. You know. And uh. And then he said, you know, I even told him I would let them bar me from the Coliseum. Next week's match is in the Coliseum. He says, I I won't even come to the building. So you know. And then Les stopped him, and he goes, Hey, wait a minute now. <laughs> He goes, uh, you you, you barred yourself from the Coliseum. And he says, uh, how do you think that's going to affect your stomper? I mean, he has a hard problem with his ears and stuff anyway, you know. And, uh, and then he told Les, he says, I don't care. I don't give a damn. I believe he said damn. And they had to, they had to bleep it. He said, I don't give a damn. He says, my stomper can beat any man alive. And uh, he says, I'll be there with him in spirit. That's all he needs to know is I'm there in spirit. <laughs> So, you know, studio crowd, they got to arrest him, man, from the beginning of this profile to the very end. Uh, Stomper, you know, a couple times had to stop and grab his ears. It got to be too much for him. Mm -hmm. And there was no doubt, man, this match was going to have a huge impact on the future of Southeastern.
0: Bunch of hillbillies in that crowd just jealous the way gorgeous George was dressed. That's all it is. Okay, obviously, six days later, this was going to be a huge night for Southeastern. So, who was in the next segment?
1: Well, the next segment had Tony Charles in it, man. And, well, as always, man, the studio went crazy as soon as they saw Tony. Uh, And he was so over, man, from that match he had had with Nelson Royal two weeks earlier, in which he put him in that torture rack for a solid minute at the end of it uh, and should have probably been the world champion. If he'd had 30 seconds more, uh, there was no doubt uh, nothing couldn't have took it for another thirty seconds, and uh, Tony just wowed him again in the studio. Man, he just used these beautiful throws, one after another. Uh, wow, he was he was just phenomenal, and uh, and then he went to the set after another win, and uh, his opponent uh, for the following Friday night was the pro Doug Gilbert. He was in Studio B, and uh, they had a time limit draw in the match before the night before. And it was unusual for Tony not to finish his opponent before the bell. Man, he, you know he 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 did not like to have time limit matches, time limit draws. So uh, he had them had no time limit to this particular match, so that uh, he's going to have enough time to beat him. You know, and there was the third third straight week that these two guys had wrestled against each other. So, and you could tell there was some growing animosity between them. That's for damn sure. And then it was time for my defense the last match uh i brought out the beautiful tv trophy which was really a f- phenomenal trophy wow it was something else like you said it's about as tall as i was so it was a mm-hmm. huge trophy <laughs> and, you know and i hadn't defended it in a while because uh, we had so much talent and trying to get guys on tv and trying to get them over it just gave us less less time for these type of championship matches so, this match, like I said a little bit earlier, was with a quality opponent, man, uh, a guy that had just interviewed in the interview before. And uh, that was the pro. So, uh, I brought out the huge TV championship trophy, and uh, the pro was already in the ring. And I set the trophy down on the apron. And then I got up on the apron. And, uh, and when I was crawling through the ropes, getting over the, inside the ring, the pro reached over the top rope and he lifted up the trophy over into the ring. Kind of like, you know, this is mine, you know, and I don't know what he was planning on doing with it. I thought he might just take it and destroy it, just to, just to slam it into the mat and the pieces go flying. So I kind of tapped him on the shoulder, and when he turned around, well, I don't know why he turned around, the dummy. I nailed him. <laughs> I mean, <laughs> what are you, stupid? You know, who you think's tapping you on the shoulder? So the referee grabbed the trophy, thank goodness, and kept it from breaking, and he handed over the top rope, gave it to Phil Rainey, who was the announcer who was on the floor at this
0: point. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and,
1: uh, boy, the fans were right into the match. I mean, they were into it immediately, man. It, it got a great start. And, uh, and, and it just got to be better. The longer that match went, it just got to be better and better. Toward the end, everybody in the studio was on their feet. And the Stomper and Gigi, uh, they came to the studio. They came into the studio. And when that happened, the crowd was already up. They just got even more serious about what was about to happen. And then Tony Charles came into the studio from another entrance. And the sound in that studio was Amazing. It was like we were in a small building, man. Uh, Wow, it was just unbelievable. And uh, Pro made this big mistake. Uh, Tony Charles got there. uh, Pro saw him, and then Pro took his eyes off of me, and he focused on Tony. And I was able to just shoot around behind him. I grapevined his right leg, and I rolled him into the fuller leg lock, and the rest was history, man. Uh, He did what everybody did. He gave up as fast as he could. And the stomper made a move toward the ring uh, at that point, because I'm on my back, but Tony Charles did too, and Tony just kind of cut him off, and uh, you couldn't hear yourself thinking there, man. The crowd was crazy, and the pro gave up, like I said, right away, Stomper and Gigi, they backed off. Tony Charles came up into the ring, raised my hand, and uh, the pro was last seen hobbling to the dressing room. So the last interview basically set the stage, for what would become six nights later, one of the wildest and and maybe most important matches in Southeastern history to that point. Everything was at stake in this match. Uh, Tom Stomper's title, my TV title, uh, and, uh, you know, and uh, whoever lost was going to be exiting one of the hottest territories in the world.
0: <laughs> All right. So another great TV. So, Everything now points to the Coliseum. Six days later, what what's up there? Well,
1: Ronald Pope, uh, who is uh, making his second appearance, got his second straight win, and he beat Don Wright, pretty pretty good opponent. Uh, Tony Charles beat the Pro. Uh, the Assassin uh, won his match over Ricky Gibson. Uh, Robert won, but it was by disqualification. Carson got caught trying to load his glove, and you know got disqualified. And then in this Southeastern Tag Championship match, uh, the belts against Roy Lee's hair, uh, fans were treated to something special, man. Uh, They had a tremendous match, uh, and they had been having great matches, these four. But uh, this one was really, really amazing, and uh, there's a lot more at stake, obviously. And uh, Roy, uh, they had Roy in trouble, and they almost pinned him, Uh, Six or eight times, he kicked out, kicked out. He just would not get beat. And uh, he just kept kicking out again and again. So uh, uh, then finally, Joe saw, I think, that Roy was not going to be able to continue it. He was going to get pinned there. He was going to give up uh, at some point here. And uh, Joe just came into the ring, and he made a comeback against both of those guys. Even though he wasn't tagged legally into the ring, it didn't make (laughs) any (laughs) difference. He's like, I'm going to take care of this. And he went in, he grabbed Mr. Knoxville, and he threw him through the ropes to the outside of the ring. He put the bear hug on Orton, and uh, he finally dropped Orton in the middle of the ring. And then he went over and grabbed Roy, drug him over, and put him on top for the pin. So, you know, and the referee obviously wouldn't count him out, because you know, you know, he's he's lucky he didn't stop the match. So the referee was trying to get him out of the ring, and uh, while he was doing that, Roy's laying on top of, of. Uh, Uh, Orton and uh, Mr. Knoxville climbed up on the top rope, man, and he was set to do his patented coup de gras, man, that big knee drop and Roy's back off the top rope. And when Garvin left that top rope, uh, Roy must have had his head turned that direction. He saw it and he rolled off and Mr. Knoxville landed right in the middle of Bob Orton's chest. Whoa. (laughs) And, And then, Mr. Knoxville, oh, he went went, uh, running toward the far side of the ring. It was like, oh, my God, what have I done here? And then Roy just rolled back on top. Uh, Mr. Knoxville started to try to make the save, but Joe LaDuke uh, slid through the ropes and grabbed his feet and uh, held him. And uh, he was just inches away from being able to drag Roy Lee off of him. But the referee counted three, and that building exploded, man. Oh, I bet. Wow. So so that long run of Mr. Knoxville and Bob Wharton Jr., Southeastern Tag Champions, it finally came to an end. man. They had had a phenomenal run as champions. And uh, then uh, we had one match left, man. Uh, that was my match against the Stomper. All this stuff involved. Uh, last match, basically, it was everything, man, I, I think, that fans expected. And to be honest, we probably a lot more than what they expected so uh the southeastern belt was on the line the tv trophy was on the line there was no gorgeous george in the building anywhere to be seen uh the announcement was made that the loser of this match would leave southeastern for no less than one year and uh so the crowd was so loud in the match that uh they made it difficult for Stomper uh, to be able to, he could not continue to pound on me or to do what he wanted to do because he was constantly trying to cover his ears. Uh, and while I was appreciating that the fact that the crowd was so into it and, uh, they were, it was allowed in that building. And, you know, as around the 30 minute mark, I had him beat, you know, I, I think he was, I was really going to finish him and he grabbed, uh, the, the, me and he fired me into the referee on purpose and the referee went through the ropes and, and took a horrible bump out on the concrete uh i didn't go down i went down on one knee but uh, uh the referee got a lot worse shot out of it than i did and then the stomper picked me up and he went for a slam i dropped in behind him i put the fuller leg lock on him right in the middle of the ring uh the building shook man uh, from the roar of the crowd. Wow. It's unbelievable. Um, but there's no referee. <laughs> oh. I, I got him, but, uh, but yeah. there's nobody to to stop it, uh, to, to raise my hand. So the referee is still down outside the ring. And I uh, guess who shows up, man, down at the ring, Don Carson and
0: the assassin. My first guess was going to be Don Carson, Don Carson and, <laughs> and the, assassin. the assassin. Okay. Both yeah. And, uh, yeah, both of them. Okay, now, I'm laying there
1: helpless. I'm on my back. I got the hold on stomper, but I'm helpless, and my legs are tied up in his, and uh, I can't get up. And uh, they just came right on the ring. Referee's laying out there on the concrete, and, and they they just started stomping and kicking me, kicking me right off. And uh, Don Carson grabbed me from behind, and the assassin, the assassin went to headbutt me, you know, and when he went for the headbutt. Don's head was right behind mine. I just dropped my arms, straightened my arms out, and fell right on my butt. And the assassin head-butted Don Carson. (laughs) Whoa. And uh, and, uh, when he hit him so hard that Carson shot backwards, and the referee was coming up to get back into the ring where Carson was going out. (laughs) And Carson collided with the referee then. The referee had already had a collision with me. This time Carson flying out of the ring backwards uh, hits the referee who's coming in and sends the referee back out into the floor. And then Carson went through the ropes too and <laughs> actually landed on top of the referee. And uh, so both of them now are on the Coliseum floor. So, you know, I, I got the uh, Stompers down. Uh, you know, he's still hurt from the leg. And so I, I did what you – know, Well, the only thing I could do, I tore into the assassin. I got to get something done here, man. I got, got, I'm dealing now with three guys. Yeah. So I tore into the assassin and uh, boy, there was pandemonium in that building, man. And then a stomper came from behind. He stopped me and he hooked me in a full Nelson. And this time, the assassin went further than the last time. He reached in his in his pants. He he wasn't even dressed in his wrestling outfit. He had regular pants on. And uh and he pulled out something and he loaded his mask. And he was intent on finishing me, man. And uh when he came for the headbutt, I ducked again and Stomper got this one. <laughs> so Stomper wow. went flying, man. The building exploded again. And again I tore into the assassin. And I put the fuller leg lock on him. And now the building was on fire. The referee was trying to get back into the ring again. Carson saw him. Carson's out there. He dragged him off the apron and he just shot him face first across the Coliseum floor. And, uh, and then Carson re-entered the ring and he loaded his glove. Uh, I got the, I got my hold on the assassin and I never saw Carson coming, man. He nailed me. And, uh, and I was, I was down on my back and helpless anyway. And, and that, that did it, uh, you know, he rolled the assassin out of the ring. Hmm. He pulled me into the center of the ring. He dragged the stomper over, put the stomper on top of me and he left the ring, uh, collected up his limping friend <laughs> and those two guys, they were pretty smart because obviously that crowd was going to kill him. And they did exactly what they had done on the Bob Armstrong deal. Uh, earlier, uh, they found that secret hidden door into the heels dressing room without having to get to the back of the building. And they escaped through that same place that they did on the night that they screwed Bob Armstrong. The referee called back in the ring and he counted me out. Needless to say, every cop in the building came to ringside. They were prepared. They saw it happening. And, uh, they somehow managed to get the Stomper back to the dressing room. (laughs)
0: Wow. That is absolutely one of the wildest matches I ever heard of, Stud. So Don Carson and the Assassin had made good on that statement that they were going to send other big stars out of Southeastern, evidently.
1: Yeah, and and that's what they had said for the last two or three Saturdays on TV, that they were going to take over Southeastern. Uh, They were going to eliminate some of the good guys, uh, they'd already done it. I mean, uh, Bob Armstrong was gone. They had already managed to do that, and uh, they did everything they said they were going to do. I was gone from that Southeastern, uh, uh, and I was gone from Knoxville, from wrestling in Knoxville for the first time in three years since the day I arrived and since the beginning of Southeastern, and uh, I was, uh, I was uh, supposed to be gone for a
0: year. Wow. Okay, so the attendance had to be phenomenal that night.
1: Well, it was uh, just under 6,000, man. I think it was Mm 5,900.
0: And uh, 5,900
1: is uh, one of the biggest crowds in there. A lot at stake. uh, And, uh, you know, so uh, 5,900 people, and it sounded like uh, 20,000.
0: Wow. Okay, that was... Pretty close to a sellout, obviously. And it was not a world championship card. Okay, Ron, so we have time for another learning tree question. Austin Dunlap asks, where did Bob Armstrong go when he lost the loser leaves Southeastern match on the double world title card? And that was, what, just a few weeks ago.
1: Yeah, that was about uh, three weeks earlier than,
0: yeah. Uh, yeah. than this particular
1: night. Uh, actually, uh, it was on October 7th, 1977. This match was on October 28th. Yeah. And, uh, you know, we just spoke about that match as a matter of fact, uh, you know, and, uh, and, uh, you know, I, how, how the, the same two guys escaped after, uh, uh knocking Bob Armstrong out of Southeastern, they put me out. So I had a chance uh, to do some research on this you know, on this particular question. And and I called my good friend, man, and, and a guy I think is one of the great Florida wrestling historians uh, of all time, Barry Rose, uh, because I assumed Bob would have gone back to Florida. And I didn't really know where Bob went when he lost this Southeastern, uh, uh, Loser League Southeastern match. And uh, so it wouldn't be long from October uh, until the winter and a lot of great wrestlers, uh, you know, as Bob was, and he could go anywhere he wanted to, uh, wanted to head to Florida, winter time, And so you know, I, I just kind of thought, you know, that would be where he went. But uh, then Barry and I talked, and Barry said, Ron, uh, Bob, after 1974, he says, Bob never came back and had a long run in Florida territory ever again after that. And I, I thought, man, geez, that's kind of strange. And then it hit me that Bob Armstrong, in this, in the next year, is going to become a part owner with me in Southeastern. Ah. So Bob never had a reason to go back to Florida for any length of time. So, uh, so uh, Mr. Dunlap, I think that's the gentleman's name that asked the question. Uh,
0: mm-hmm.
1: That was real good news for me and for Southeastern. So. You know, uh, along with the great talent that we were assimilating in southeastern Archie Gold, Archie man, the Mongolian stomper Ronnie Garvin had been there long run. Don Carson had been there long run. Bob Armstrong had become a integral part of the company, uh, and we had some great, steady talent—guys that weren't wanting to leave, guys that wanted to stay forever. So uh, we were going to. And land a lot more talent in the future, that's for sure. But for a territory only in business for three years, that's what we are at this point in October of 1977. We've been in business for three years. Our talent base was as good as anybody in the countries. So a little more research uh, had me, uh, you know, found out that uh, Bob had gone home to the Georgia territory, which made sense. You know, he'd been a long time in Southeastern at this point. Uh, He'd been driving back and forth from Atlanta, going up as far and way in the northern Kentucky. I mean, it was was pretty hard on him. So, uh, and uh, along with uh, the Florida territory, uh, uh, that Georgia territory was one of the best. So, uh, but it really made me proud, man, to know, you know, as the smallest territory in wrestling in 1977, we were. Mm -hmm. And so far as as the size of the territory in miles from one side, north to southeast to west, we were the smallest territory in wrestling in 1977. And we were doing good enough business to attract, not only attract, but to keep some of the best wrestlers in the world. Hmm. So we were, at this point, uh, not going to be the smallest for much longer, though. So uh, things were about to change big time for southeastern wrestling.
0: Wow, there you go. Another amazing stud cast. And folks, don't miss the dinner with the stud. Wednesday, November 24th, 7 to 9 p.m. The night before Thanksgiving, it is a great time to visit the Smoky Mountains for a vacation. Have an unforgettable evening with Ron Les Thatcher, WCW's bunkhouse buck, also known as Jimmy Golden, experience a great buffet dinner at one of the world's finest restaurants, Calhoun's on the River, located on the Tennessee River right next to the University of Tennessee in downtown Knoxville. You're going to get the free dinner, two free 8x10 photos of the stud and Jimmy Golden, a one-hour live stud cast plus one-hour question and answer show, great door prices. You'll enjoy a cash bar and meet all three stars on the way in reservations only $30 at tnstud.com that's tnstud.com click the stud store look for the dinner with the stud banner the photos alone are a $30 value the last dinner was fantastic and almost full you had a great crowd Reserve your seat now for this tremendous evening and get your Thanksgiving off to a great start. You'll definitely have something to talk about when folks come over for Thanksgiving. For those wanting to get involved with our Today's Training Booking Contest, here's where to look for Ron's post about your answer to who will turn and what's going to happen within the next three episodes that will change Southeastern. So, on Facebook, all three pages – Ron Fuller Welch, Ron Fuller, the Tennessee Stud, and author Ron Fuller Welch will have posts. You'll see it, everything, right there. If you're not already a friend with Ron, you can go to either the Ron Fuller, the Tennessee Stud page or author Ron Fuller Welch page. Like and follow him there, and you automatically become friends with a legend. Then, good luck with the contest, too. On Twitter, follow him at Ron Fuller Welch. He'll also be posting hit on Twitter after the show as well so that's another way to stay in touch get your christmas gifts from the stud store this year tnstud.com click stud store autographed photos t-shirts tennessee stud mask great dvd 5 packs with 62 matches 12 hours of classic continental video action ron's brilliant brutus novel even autographed and much more all at TNstud.com. All right, that's a lot, Ron. I don't see how you keep up with it all. So where do we ride next week? Well, we're going to return, man, to our booking contest in today's training Uh, next week again.
1: We're going to go back to this same topic. We're going to take another look at everything going on and see who can be the first out there to answer my question about who's going to soon turn, either baby face or heel, and who's going to be impacted by that turn. Uh, I'm, I'm really looking forward to this. Uh, I think uh, fans are going to be intrigued by this uh, because there's a lot going to be happening in the next uh, three stud casts, uh, in the next two. We've just about finished this one, Dave, so we're two more stud casts. Uh, they're going to have their answer. So we move into November of 1977. Another great card is going to happen next week with something crazy happening in the next two stud casts in a row, as a matter of fact. Big thing. Uh, big TV, uh, results of the card, and we'll talk about the attendance for this next one. Uh, we will also have some news on where I am after I leave Southeastern. Where do I go? I mean, we ah. found out where Bob went. Uh. We're going to find out where I'm going to be going. And uh, then uh, the Learning Tree question next week Ask How were the smaller Southeastern cities doing, considering Knoxville was becoming one of the best wrestling cities in America in 1977? A great question. We don't talk about it a whole lot, but uh, Knoxville was rocking, and uh, I guess the uh, this this uh, questioner uh, wants to know what's happening in these smaller cities. So I want to thank everyone, as always, for your support in both the StudCast. And in the new Southeastern Rewind YouTube channel, I really appreciate. It. Uh, please subscribe there if you haven't, and uh, I think you'll find some type of entertainment there that you're going to really enjoy. And uh, Studcast fans, uh, you've been here for 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 years now at this point, and, uh, and I, I you know. I, but I never, I never, uh, I never want to forget to thank you, and uh, I really thank all of you for being fans. Uh, Please tell your friends about us, obviously. Take care of yourselves and others, and may God bless us all.
0: Well done, Stud. For Ron Fuller in the Great Smoky Mountains, I'm David Summers saying thank you for listening. Find me at Productions at gmail.com. This Studcast is a David Summers production for Tennessee Stud, LLC. Thanks for joining us today for this historic Studcast. The true story continues next week. So full Nelson, your friends, and point them in our direction for another ride with the Tennessee Stud. One, two, three. This is David Summers saying so long from the Great Smoky Mountains.